I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. My name is Elon Jacobson, and deal-making is in my DNA. I'll be here each week talking with entrepreneurs and deal-makers about the crazy obstacles they've faced along their paths, and whether it's nature or nurture driving their success. Expect the unexpected on a deal-maker's DNA. So welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dealmaker's DNA. Have a, uh, have a fun one today. I have Mariam. Mariam is the founder and president of Koa Foods, Koa Natural Foods. Also the uh, founder and uh, president of Women Empowering Women, as well as a mentor for Biz Start Entrepreneurship Program at the Youth Employment Services. Mariam has an eclectic uh, background, Ontario basketball, Tennis Canada, amongst other endeavors. So, Mariam, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. And just to be transparent with everyone, I may be a little biased because Firepower is an investor in, uh, in Mariam's company, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little later. But we are investors because we love her and her product. So I'd say that, uh, that, that eliminates the bias. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so, so Marian, for those who don't know your company, why don't we start just briefly, t- touch on, uh, on what you do at COA, and, and then we're going to take a step way, way back and talk about you know, how you got to where you're at. So I'm the founder and CEO of Co Natural Foods. At Co Natural Foods, we manufacture a variety of super delicious organic snacks that range from organic clusters, peanut butter cups, and other confectionery, all in the grab-and-go space. I've been in business for six years and have evolved in many ways throughout my entrepreneurship journey. But I started this with the ambition and intention to create clean snacks that don't contain all the chemicals and preservatives and other junk that a lot of regular confectionery have without compromising on taste. And that's exactly what I set out to do. I've been on a mission to do it for six years and we'll continue growing it till we can offer people everywhere across the world really delicious snacks that that don't compromise on taste, but also don't contain any harmful stuff that can lead to other health problems. Awesome. And I have to say, I mean, as a fellow health nut, I think it's it's an incredible kind of vision. And I have to say as well, for those that have tried your product, not only is a product delicious, but the branding is incredible. For those that have not tried it, you have to try it. So, so Mari, I'm taking a step back. We had a brief discussion before this podcast for 10 minutes. And I purposefully didn't go into too much information because I wanted to hear it live and authentic on the podcast. I do know that you know, your family's originally from Egypt, and that's pretty much all I know. So let's take a step back. I mean, how did you guys get to Canada? Tell me about your your childhood. You know, what were the most impactful things that you, you know, that potentially led to your, uh, you know, career path as, a, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so my dad immigrated from Egypt a really long time ago, I think when he was in university, met my mom, fell in love and, and had us here. And, um, you know, my dad has always been a, a very much a go-getter. He's a dentist. He's been, you know, on his own, taking care of his mother. His dad died when he was really young, taking care of his mother from a really young age. He had us when they came here and they got married. And, you know, it's been an interesting journey. I, I grew up here. I, I 
had the mixture of both cultures, you know, Egyptian culture as well as Canadian culture, but just witnessing him as a person and his resilience and his courage has um, made me really want to be an entrepreneur. And um, I, I, you know, grew up, I went to University of Toronto. I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I was always, you know, working out um, very much into fitness. Um, I also have a personal training background. Um, I love sports. I played basketball in while I was in high school, tried to get into the UFT varsity blues, uh, failed miserably. <laughs> I thought I was like the tallest girl there. You know, I was like, I have this, I got this. I'm 5'11". I was actually the shortest girl on that team tore my ankle while I was trying out. Um, and I said, you know, okay, I guess I'm not going to end up being a WNBA player, but I was obsessed from a young age with this concept of like working hard and achieving greatness. Cause I saw that, saw that in my dad, you know, somebody who had nothing and, you know, worked really hard and continues to work very hard. He's 66 and he's not retired. He doesn't want to retire anytime soon. And just witnessing his character has made me constantly believe that you can create the life you want. You could do whatever you set your mind to. And, you know, I was, like I said, obsessed with trying to find out what kind of greatness can I achieve as a person? And I'd go, when I was like 15 years old, I'd go buy these DVDs about Michael Jordan's, you know, success in basketball and just constantly talking about his mindset and how his mindset led to his his success. And so I always, like I said, believed that I was going to do something unique. And after my ankle injuries, I was like, okay, you know, I really got to think about what I want to do. And so I went to U of T, I studied psychology, but I was like, this is not for me. Like, I don't want to be a psychologist. I want to go to business school. I want to launch my own business, preferably something related to health and wellness. And um, I went to the Rotman School of Commerce and they were like, you got to, you know, try to come into the, this faculty next year. And I was already the second year of university and that didn't work out. I was like, I'm not going to spend another additional four years on top of the two years. So I was like, okay, I don't, I still didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I was working for Tennis Canada, Ontario basketball, jumping from like one sports and wellness, you know, space to another. I hated being told what to do. You know, they'd like sit me in a cubicle, literally say, okay, here are the phone calls. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I, 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 I tell I tell all my employees, if you don't if you don't sleep in the bed next to me, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I have one boss and she sleeps next to me. I love that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just I hated it and I was so miserable. And I was like, no, I can't, I'm too ambitious. And at the time I was constantly also eating really clean, but I had like a huge sugar craving problem. And I went to the grocery store one day, I went to Metro and I was looking at the back of all the, the healthier snacks. And I just wanted something that was clean that wouldn't like bother my stomach. Um, Cause I'd get these debilitating stomach attacks sometimes actually it was quite often. And um, during that time, it was like in between university and having these jobs that I decided to start creating my own healthy snacks. And at the beginning I launched with these little protein balls and I would make them for myself. And then I would take them to friends and be like, try my snacks. You know, they're healthier. They're better for you. And people were like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. Can I buy some? So I started to, at work, <laughs> um, sell the products and collect checks, you know? <laughs> so so I, was, I was at work doing that. And, I, and then I, I realized that, you know, this is something I want to continue pursuing because 
I didn't have a career in basketball. I didn't have a career in psychology. I didn't have a career working for any of these other organizations that I worked for in the fitness industry. And, and so I just went on this like path of entrepreneurship and trying to figure out how to launch it. And, and soon enough, you're going to be a sponsor of the WNBA. So it'll, it'll, it'll come full circle. You know, I, I actually, one of my goals is to eventually one day own a, a uh, basketball team. That's awesome. So, so I want to take a step back. You know, you, you talked about that, that immigrant kind of mentality. And it's amazing to me. I don't know how many podcasts I've done, but let's just say 30. And I didn't know this, but I think 28 of them are with people that are either immigrants themselves or children of immigrants. How much of that immigrant mentality do you do you like see is so obvious in the way that you kind of look at the world versus maybe someone else? The immigrant mentality, I mean, it puts things into perspective. I'm very, very, very grateful that I'm here. I'm very grateful that I have these luxuries of simple things like it's pretty clean outside. There's no, there's rules for throwing garbage on the street. There's, you know, traffic rules and there's rules regarding harassment and other things that isn't so prevalent in other countries. And Egypt's a beautiful country. I love the country. Obviously, it's, um, I'm so grateful to have come some, from such strong history, but there's also other issues pertaining to certain rules of, um, you know, what happens if you throw garbage on the street or what happens when you're, you don't, you disobey traffic. You know, and, and those things you take for granted when you're here. You're like, I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to live in a country that that is very well established in terms of certain rules and regulations. And you take those things for for, for granted, like I said, and I sit back and I'm like, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful to have grown up here because if I grew up somewhere else, I probably would have very different ambitions, especially I think it pertains to my desire to empower women because predominantly coming from a culture where I, that I come from, your, your main goal as a woman is to get married. It's like the end all be all. It's like, oh my gosh, you're 30 and you're not married. This is, you have nothing else to do in life, you know? And that's a very strong rhetoric back home. And, um, you know, just knowing that I'm here and that I, that I'm able to kind of understand and put those things into perspective and say, no, marriage doesn't define me. I have so many other things that I want to accomplish and, I can accomplish them because I have so much opportunity in this country. So I think just having that in the back of my head all the time makes me always grateful and never take things for granted, uh, regardless of how big or small they are. Well, I'll steal this from Kobe, but as a hashtag girl dad, I appreciate all that work that you're, uh, that you're doing to make it very obvious to women that uh, they can accomplish anything they want to. You know, obviously that's, uh, you know, like you said, living in Canada, we don't really think about the fact that women in other parts of the world don't have equal access because in Ca it's Canada, right? I mean, you know, if, if someone told you you can't do something here, they're probably living in the, in the wrong country. So I think it's really important to be, to be you know, spreading that message. So I, I want to go back to something that you said as you were telling me the story going to university. Your exact words were, were what kind of greatness can I achieve? And I love that because, you know, I, I think about that all the time, but what, what gave you the, the, the audacity to think like that, right? I mean, I think that people that, that, that achieve greatness at some point have to ask themselves what kind of greatness they can achieve. And for whatever reason, I feel like society does a pretty good job of trying to tell people that they should be normal and that they should fit into the box. And, you know, it takes someone to have the quote unquote audacity to ask that question for themselves. 
Absolutely. You know, I, it's something I've worked on since I was a kid. Like I mentioned, I always used to watch these videos. I was intrigued by the most successful people in the world. And no matter what background they came from, it was always their mentality that led to their success, obviously amongst other things, but the most powerful is their mindset. And I remember, you know, just watching my dad, like work his ass off like day in day out my mother is also very unwell not to go into too much detail but my mother struggled with severe mental illness from when i was a very young very young and i would watch my dad deal with that and deal with it with the most love and patience and while working and providing for everybody and taking care of his mom and taking care of everybody else around him and i would always tell myself like one day I'm going to show my dad that him bringing us here and bringing us to Canada is a damn good move, you know, and that was always in the back of my mind as to kind of like what constantly pushes me to want to be great is to honor my father and honor my father's greatness that he's shown us without trying to show us that he's trying to work hard and make money. He's just always been somebody who's very ambitious and doing it in the most most ethical, caring way. And by seeing that and witnessing that made me want to honor his legacy and what he's contributed by being a great person. And as I was watching these videos and, and always trying to learn, like, how can I be great? What do I need to do? What do I, I would always see a constant message, which is work on your mindset, work on something you're passionate about and work hard on it and greatness will happen. You've mentioned mindset twice now, and I want to talk to you about that because I'm such a big believer in mindset. You know, from from my perspective, I speak to people all the time and someone says, you know, like, you know, bad things keep happening to me. And I literally say to them, I believe you, because if you are in the mindset that you believe bad things are going to happen to you, they absolutely will. And like, I'm not like, I don't know if I go so far as to think of like the secret and the universe conspiring But there is absolutely evidence in my mind to support positive energy attracts positive energy and negative energy attracts negative energy. I I firmly believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I believe that 100%. I think being an entrepreneur, to be honest, I believe it's 80% mindset. Every day you're met with the craziest challenges and you go through some ups and downs that you never thought you would go through. And there's days where you question yourself to the utmost. And if you have a weaker mentality and if you're always like, well, me, I'm the victim, I can't do this. I can't, you're only as good as you believe you are. And you know, if you walk into a room and you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect others to believe in you? And so it's not its not about, you know, this kumbaya, I'm believing in positive energy, so I'm going to bring about positive things. And, I'm, you know, just in the, the idea of thinking about it, no, it's being it, it's embodying positivity because people respond to that in the simplest way. With the example of walking into a room, if you walk into a room and you look at people like angry and people respond to that because people respond to body body language as well. It's not just what you verbally say. But when you walk into a room with confidence and you're like, hi guys, like I'm here, like, you know, you exude that level of confidence. People love that and they respond to it positively. So, you know, I believe it's something you consistently have to work on by reading, listening to podcasts, uh, surrounding yourself with people that have similar, you know, visions, goals, similar desires to live a successful, happy life. 
all those things contribute to your mindset and how you behave on a daily. Because like I said, you some days I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's really, really hard. And I've gone through some serious challenges the past year uh, that I thought I had days that I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this particular challenge. Like, this one is a big one. But then I look at myself in the mirror and say, no, 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 no. I've built this for six years and nobody's going to take this away from me. And I'm powerful and I'm capable and I'm going to make this happen. And if I didn't have that talk to myself in a positive way, but instead said to myself, yeah, you're a loser. I'm never going to go anywhere. And I can never, I'll never discover the powerful things and the amazing things I can accomplish as a person. Totally. I mean, and just because people confuse it because you could, you could be positive and have a great mindset and still acknowledge that shit is hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I say to people, you know, I've, I've gone through a, a real transformative time in my life as it relates to getting healthy and working out and things of that nature. And people say, well, you know, it, 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 you know, working out comes easy to you. And that's why, you know, you do it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I hate working out. Every, the only part of a workout I like is, is finishing it. And the, 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 the difference is I just do it. And part of life is just being willing to do the hard shit. And that's a mindset thing. It absolutely is. And as I continue to grow in this business and outside of the business, you're met with so many different situations that require you to to face fear, like right in the face. And you're looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I'm so terrified. I'm so scared. You just got to talk yourself into doing it. And then once you elevate to that next level, you grow as a person, you feel much more confident and it allows you to step into the, the next level of growth and confidence that is going to be required from you as you continue to grow on your journey. I never believed in this fake it till you make it, but now I've kind of changed my tune because I I do think that there is some power in faking it till you make it. Absolutely. You know, I like years ago, I mean, two years into my business, I got a call from, I'd say one of the biggest food companies in the world. And they were like, we love your peanut butter bites. We want to know if you can co-manufacture for us. And I'm talking like top five biggest companies in the world, Canada division. And I was like, why are they, how did they even find out about us? You know? And the lady I was speaking to was like, I bought your product and I loved it. And I, I just want to talk about potentially working together. And I was terrified. I was like, oh, I don't want to have the phone call with the VP of like, R&D, you know, I was petrified, but then I was like, I got to do it. You just got to do it. And I got on the phone and I was super confident and you just got to face it and continue doing that. You know, years ago. So when I was on Dragon's Den, um, I went on Dragon's Den, I think it was four years ago as well. I was petrified. I got to tell you, I was like, (gasps) I was shaking like a leaf before. And then when I walked into the room, I'm like, my name is Miriam. This is what I did. I had to like almost be this, this other version of me to be able to get through that experience and feel good about it. But but you, you, you talk about that other version, but I speak for this all the time that I'm an extrovert yet. What's really interesting in my personal life, I'm very much of an introvert. And people say to me like, Oh, or my family will say, you know, is that, is that, is this extrovert, this massive extrovert an act? I said, no, these things are both part of me and they're both authentic. And, you know, if you didn't have that ability to do it, you wouldn't be able to do it. So that is still an authentic part of who you are. And you can embrace fear and, you know, step into it. But that's authentic. Like, I, I like in, in a way, like, that's why I've never liked the fake it till you make it, because it, to me, it 
it implies some level of inauthenticity, but I actually don't think it means that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I think it's not, you're not faking it. You're putting yourself in a state of extreme discomfort till you make it and you eventually become comfortable in that state. You know, that's what I, that's what I think it is. I want to change gears a little bit. I'm not going to delve too deep, but you spoke about growing up with obviously mental health issues in the family. I too come from a background. I mean, my mother's actually very open about it. My mother suffered from depression and anxiety. She's actually an author that writes books about depression and anxiety. So I grew up with that front and center. And, and as I've said on this podcast before, I've also suffered from depression and anxiety in my life. So how did that impact you? Because I really believe that that my exposure to that has made me a far more empathetic, understanding individual, far more so than I probably would have been if I didn't have that in my childhood. But I'm always curious because some, you know, you may have taken something completely different from it. Yeah, I know the experience, it's mental illness on a very serious level. And the experience has taught me how to be so understanding and patient. And like you said, empathetic, sympathetic, and know that just witnessing that and and being around it has taught me love on so many levels and that you can like I just witnessing my dad even going through it and continuing to go through it while being the most loving human being and patient human being has taught me to also be so patient and my dad would always look at me and say you know after hardship comes ease you know after hardship comes ease and he would always say that even though he was going through the worst kind of experience with this particular situation. But that taught me to be very patient and understanding of people. I'm not excusing people's negative behavior when people do things that are very hurtful to others, but sometimes you need to take a step back and say, that person is really suffering. Maybe they're going through some mental illness. Maybe they have other issues. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're, and not take it personally and say, you know what? I'm going to let it pass me and I'm going to show them the the most love I could show them. But while understanding that I don't need to necessarily be immersed in it, so it doesn't take me down too, but I need to show them love and show them patience and take a step back from it and learn from it and learn how to show love to other people so they don't go through similar situations. Yeah, I think it's helped me develop deeper relationships, more authentic relationships and be more comfortable in my own skin. Because, you know, people are always surprised that I'm as vocal as I am about my own struggles. And I'm like, if I can't be, I don't know who can. And and quite frankly, I think it's, uh, you know, I I speak about authenticity a lot. And I really think authenticity is is a magnet. I I feel like people are are drawn to highly authentic individuals. And it's uh, it's definitely something, you know, one of my superpowers as it relates to, you know, building meaningful relationships. And it's definitely taught me to have a softer side for people. It's also, mind you, developing the softer side and always looking at another reason as to why people behave a certain way and like really looking into and being really empathetic has also hurt me in many ways. So I think through my journey of entrepreneurship, as well as my personal relationships, it's taught me how to love, but also know how to be empathetic from a distance. And also guard yourself, because even if those experiences taught me how to be very sweet and loving, that there's a certain limit to who I can 
give that amount of love to, you know? And so I don't know if this is making sense, but just to, just to touch on some of the like past experiences that I've gone through, I've gone through some really interesting business situations where I'm like, oh, that's okay. That person's behavior, it's all right. You know, sometimes with employees too, I'm like, oh, maybe they're going through stuff at home and maybe, oh, they're going through like a difficult time. I need to be more understanding. You got to check that empathy at some point. At some point, <laughs> it's got to like, you, yeah. you, you got to check that you know, and, and, and not let that kind of take over because people would also, some people take it, take advantage of it. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, the biggest mistakes I've made in my career are keeping people around way too long, by far the biggest mistakes I've made in my career. And I make them over and over again. And I've, and I've thought about it a lot and I'm okay with it. I'm okay that that is the mistake I'm going to continuously make. If it means that I get all the other things that come with being authentic and caring, you know, and, you know, you, you, you have people around you that actually care about you and would take a bullet and, you know, it, it's a trade-off, right. But, uh, I think it's a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah, you're, you're right. It is. It definitely is. And it's something I also think about all the time, but I also, it teaches me to look for, like, now I could see certain red flags when I'm like, uh, oh, nope, I just need to, this needs to stop. Healthy <laughs> skepticism is important. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I want to go back to one of the topics that you you spoke about the origination story of co-natural foods, and you know, to me, it was it's clear that it was born out of passion, right? You what you like you like you're very passionate about the product. It was something that you made for yourself. Like I love stories like that, and I've spoken entrepreneurs that have a career and they're extremely passionate about being successful in their career, but I'm not so sure how passionate they are about what they are doing or the service they're providing. And then speak to others like you that that you know have a, a real distinct passion in the thing that they are doing. How important do you think building businesses born out of a passion is versus just being a really great entrepreneur that's passionate about entrepreneurship and being able to do kind of anything with that? I think you know having a passion and working within that passion is great and dandy and wonderful but I also think there needs to be a deeper reason why you're doing certain things because passion alone won't cut it. I mean the challenges you you are met with as an entrepreneur will keep you up at night. You'll get anxiety attacks. You will have you you know you'll question your sanity all the time. You know and it's a continued journey of going through numerous numerous setbacks and, and, and challenges. But if you're passionate and you're doing it with a purpose and for a specific reason, and there's something beyond passion, I think that's the recipe for ultimate success because you could be passionate about, I love healthy snacks. I love what I'm doing. I love the journey of, of what I, I get to create. I'm also a very creative person. Like I work with my graphic designer on all the packaging and oh, you did a great job on those. Like I said earlier. <laughs> Thank you. I have an obsession with, with packaging and I'm super passionate about that artistic style as well. But again, if I, if I didn't have the extra motivation, I think like if, if I didn't have my father, my father's, my purpose being my father's, you know, like my desire to make not my father proud, but my desire to kind of repay him for some of the stuff that he's, he's done for us and not having that and just having passion alone, I, I don't think I would be as persevering as I was. And I continue being. So I think passion alone is not enough, at least for me. So, so, so you're a young entrepreneur. There are other young entrepreneurs that are listening to this as well as older entrepreneurs, as well as non-entrepreneurs. 
What are some of the, the key lessons you've learned now that, you know, if you went back to the eight year ago version of yourself, what would you, what would you tell that person? Number one, you're your own savior. If you get into bad situations, don't think that somebody's going to come knocking on your door and being like, Hey, I'm here to get you out of it. No, you have to do the work and it's ugly work you have to do. You have to get into your mind. You have to get into your, your physical, you have to get into all parts of you to understand maybe your behaviors and what's led to certain decisions and be your own savior and say, how am I going to fix this? Okay. I'm in a problem right now. I got to figure it out. I'm going to make it happen. And being obsessive about believing in yourself because nobody else is going to believe in yourself the way you're going to believe in yourself. And when you believe in yourself so much, you can accomplish things you've never honestly never even thought you could accomplish and do things you never thought you could do. So I would, I would tell them to constantly believe in themselves. Don't be obsessed with an idea and don't be married to an idea. Like understand that you're going to need to morph and you're going to need to tweak and change things. And, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean you failed. It just means you are getting better at learning how to be great in your own way. I'd also say to female entrepreneurs specifically, be outspoken and be ferocious. And, you know, it's okay if they call you a, can I say this? A B-I-T-C-A. I swear. You just whatever you want. You know, you, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think I'm a biatch, you know, oh, she's so demanding because as strong women who have, who know what they want, you know. That's, I mean, personally, I think that double standard is complete bullshit. Yeah, it's complete it's bullshit. The and last thing I would be telling my daughter yeah. I agree. Yeah, I love that word ferocious. Yeah. And one, you know, one time this, this distributor said to me, oh, are you one of those crazy women entrepreneurs? And I'm like, what, excuse me? Like, what does that mean? Because I know what I want. And then for a guy, they would say, are you, you know, they're just an aggressive entrepreneur, right? Exactly. It's like exactly. ridiculous. Yeah. So I tell my female entrepreneurs to be outspoken and resilient. And if they call you a bitch, so be it. Be the strong ass biatch that you need to be and go do what you need to do to build your success and your, your greatness, because nobody's going to do it for you, but you. Mindset, mindset, mindset. I love it. I'm, I, I want to end there. So, 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 so Mariam, for those who would love to follow along on your journey, I know you can be found on LinkedIn, your, your website, we will link to, but what are some of the other ways that people can follow you? You can follow me on my personal Instagram if you'd like. It's Mariam Ekram or Mariam Ekram. You can follow me there. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm still getting there in terms of being more out there as an entrepreneur, but you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. If you're another entrepreneur and you want to chat, I would love to. I'd say good luck to any entrepreneur listening to this and, and believe in your greatness. You're capable of everything and anything you think of. Love that. Well, thank you very much, Mariam. And until next time. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time on A Dealmaker's DNA, where you can expect the unexpected.